You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So on this particular day in history, uh, I began looking at the draft and kind of just expanding on what happened the day prior, which is looking at the roster and trying to determine just, just very early look at the draft and our roster and trying to slowly put them together. I did mention one of our draft picks. It was one sentence long, and it was something to the effect of, I don't think Rashawn Gary's a good fit. Now, I did at one point start to notice a trend. I think it was probably after free agency, after we got Zadarius and Preston, and I said, you know what? Rashawn might be a good fit. Seems to be the kind of um, build that he's looking for. So I will delight when that episode finally airs. Get something right for once. But anyways, otherwise, it's just kind of a general look at some of the prospects. Again, just kind of a fun way to look back at what we were thinking and saying and all that stuff back then. And yes, some of it is a little embarrassing, my takes on things, but, um, you know, whatever. That's what we do here. So with that, we'll take a break and uh, we'll get after it. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So the general goal for today is to expand on what we did yesterday. So yesterday the question was, where is the Packers roster at? We know where the team is at. The team is in the trash. But is that because we don't have any pieces on our squad? Or is that, you know, what, what, what's the situation? And the conclusion was, I mean, I I guess the conclusion was we're, we're just a couple pieces away. Even that is sort of iffy because, you know, a lot of teams with a lot of deficiencies can make it work. I think the Packers could make it work under certain circumstances. But we're going to go with... There are some pretty crucial pieces that I do think either need to be developed or added to our team, whether that's through the draft or free agency. So what's the natural next step? Let's go get those guys. So what I want to do today, because as always, I don't know how long certain things are going to take, is I want to start with the draft and work from there. I know that's technically backwards. 
free agency technically is first and then the draft, but I want to kind of reverse engineer it because before we even start looking at free agents, I kind of want to know what the pool of draft prospects looks like. Um, but also I need to understand sort of our roster. So in other words, there's a certain number of different situations. Number one is we've got positions that are basically set. Number two, we have positions that uh, need help. But then that's split into two categories. We have positions that need help, like outside linebacker, where you just don't have any anybody or safety. We don't have anybody. We have to bring somebody from the outside. I have no expectations of development from within. Then you have positions like corner and wide receiver where we need help, but there's a reasonable expectation of development. Then there's another category of we're good, but we need either depth or maybe it's a very thin situation like right tackle where I like Balaga, but we should consider finding a number two. Now, well, I guess we don't need to get into specifics of that, but in other words, that's another situation where maybe we look at depth. So that's sort of the situation we're at. We put every single one of our positions into one of those categories, develop a certain strategy for that, and then look to the draft first and say, okay, what, you know, wide receiver, where is there a bunch of wide receivers? One of the things that always happens when I do mock drafts, for example, I'll take a guy like Ed Oliver, who is a defensive tackle, if he falls, which seems to be happening a lot more and more. Well, what happens at our second pick? 100,000% of the time, there's going to be a pile of defensive tackles sitting there. Now, they're not Ed Oliver, but it's frustrating because, you know, we, we have a pile of needs and there's nobody there because there's just a pile of like six defensive tackles to pick from. So I really feel like the best move is to either trade out of the spot or to take a defensive tackle, but I just took a defensive tackle. So kind of just understanding the lay of the land that by the end of the first round, there's going to be about four or five defensive tackles that are at the top of the board because there's just so many and there's only so many teams that are actually going to even consider taking that. So there's going to be a bottleneck. Not only that, they're all going to start to fall. So guys that are, you know, maybe a good value at 22 are going to be available at 32 because, again, even if people are taking defensive tackles, they're taking the guy who was you know, a good value at 15 that fell all the way down. You know what I mean? So we're going to be using, as always, NFLBigBoard.com because that's just the best way to do things. Um, and then again, we'll, we'll we'll develop our general strategy, kind of looking at the draft, develop a further strategy. And then from there, kind of look at, okay, this situation here might put us in trouble, right? We, we kind of went through it and we looked at all the scenarios and we can expect there to be it's going to be difficult to fix this spot in the draft the reason i want to know that is because again free agency is in march the draft is a long time after march well it, it's almost two months it's technically one well it's one month but it's almost two march 5th early march compared to late april it's almost two months the point is i want to know which positions i'm going to have a real hard time fixing if I don't attack it in free agency, so that I can attack it in free agency. Make sense? Okie dokie. So um, one of the things that I'm going to do for reference is sort of break down the, um, it's not an exact science because the compensatory picks can change, so exactly which picks are in which round, it's not 100%. 
But I've generally broke down, for example, you know, obviously round one is picks one through 32, round two is three, 33 through 64, but then you go on, uh, you know, round six, I got 175 through 218, and the reason I've done that is because if you go to NFLBigBoard.com, um, you can look at, I don't know, let's just scroll down, we've got, uh, go up a little bit, Isaac Nauta, 204, tight end out of Georgia, so, okay, he's ranked 204th, so where would that put him? that puts him roughly end of the sixth round, right? This is a little quick reference guide that I've little kind of built for myself so I get a general understanding of where they're at. The reason I want to do that is because when I break it down by position, I want to know, you know, where are the bulk of these guys, right? Okay, we need a wide receiver. I don't necessarily want him in the first round. Where can I get him sort of mid-round? Well, there's a pile like in the third round or whatever, right? I, I kind of want that little bit of a reference, so, for example, I, I have a list of wide receivers here. It's actually pretty evenly distributed. So, first-round wide receivers at this particular point in time, and this has been a massive departure from the norm because this is not this was not the case not too long ago, but there are currently five wide receivers that I have listed in the first round, four in the second, four in the third, five in the fourth, five in the fifth, two in the sixth, and then seven wide receivers in the seventh round. So, with this... There isn't necessarily a pile. Obviously, there's a good amount in the first round, which is kind of cool. But you kind of look at it and say, there's there's always going to be four or five just sitting there. Another thing that I, I want to kind of bring up that maybe is something that's been on my mind, and I'm not a billion percent sure, but I, I kind of think it's real, so I'm going to just say it. The way that these tiers tend to work, and, and let me just give an example. You know, a lot of these guys that are trying to decide if they're coming out of college they're given a grade, right? They're, they're like, okay, well, based on your talent, you are a fourth-round guy. So a lot of these college kids are like, oh, dude, that's that's cool. Like, if I get picked in the fourth, you know, I'm not going to be making a bajillion dollars right out of college, but, I mean, that's that's a pretty good thing. I can start my life, you know, it's a, it's a decent this, that, or the other. The problem is there could be, like, 60 guys given fourth-round grades. Well, if there's only, you know, I don't know, with an additional four compensatory picks, let's just say, then we're talking about 36 guys... That means there's double the amount of guys with fourth round grades than there are fourth round picks, meaning there's a lot of these guys that are going to go in the fifth and the sixth and possibly seventh round. The only reason I bring that up is because with the tiers, I think they start to stack up in the middle and in the late rounds, meaning there's only one Nick Bosa, right? And maybe we can disagree on that as far as tier. Maybe you put Quinn in, maybe you put Ed Oliver, but they're in that very tippy top tier usually in every draft there's one or two then as you go through these tiers you start to they start to balloon out and the the reason that I find that interesting is because what essentially that would mean if I'm correct in that is that in the first round we've got maybe one or two guys in this tier we have to have by the time we get to the fourth or fifth round yeah we've got these guys graded and yes we have you know our, our top guy, our second guy, our third guy, and maybe there's some ties as far as grades. But if we draft based on a tier, and I've got literally 20 guys in this tier, that means I get to pick need, essentially. So you start to need pick a little more toward the middle round, not because you're d- departing from your strategy of best player available, but because they're... It, it, these are all the best players, right? <laughs> the, the best guys are all in this tier, but there's a huge pile of them we can pick the one that's best. So we can start looking at your personality, right? Are you a good fit for this team? And then throw the guys that aren't out, you know, and then, you know, while we need a wide receiver, we need an edge rusher, 
So we don't need these positions. We'll throw it out. And you start to narrow it down a little bit. And then there's three or four guys left. And it's like, all right, well, let's let's go with this guy. The other interesting thing is some of these guys might actually be there on your next pick. Because again, it's just a pile of guys that are all similarly talented. So anyways, I thought I'd bring that up. Because, you know, again, as you get... To, there, there isn't like this necessarily a, a panic where... You know, we've got two guys sitting at the top that we have to pick from in the fourth round, and we better just take this guy now because who knows if we're going to get him late. It's, no, man. I, I mean, maybe. It's possible that you're, you've only got like one or two guys left in a tier, and then you've got an easy decision. You take the best player available. But I, I think in a lot of situations, you can you can be content that you're going to be able to satisfy need later in the in the draft. So... Again, when you look at wide receiver and you got four or five in just about every single round, you're probably going to have a wide receiver or two sitting there if you want to get them in the middle rounds. You'll, you'll be able to get one. So let's start looking at our, our roster here because I mentioned wide receiver and I do think that's something we have to address. I think with this situation and probably with corner as well, because we have a lot of bodies, right? Technically, we still have Trevor Davis and Geronimo Allison. No decision has been made whether we're going to keep them or not. My preference would be no, not so much. Maybe Trevor Davis, just because, well, for the same reason we've always kept him. But I, you know, I don't know. Maybe Geronimo, just because he's reliable. Whatever. Point is, though, we there's that potential for development with Jamon Moore, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, and Equinemia St. Brown. So, getting a first-round wide receiver, although I, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world, the first round is a good opportunity to satisfy some other needs that you absolutely have to fix, no questions asked. There is no chance of development. There, there's nobody else. And, you know, ideally you go free agency, but, you know, edge rushers? No, man, I don't think there's going to be a lot left. You know, Jadavian Clowney, I think the Texans are going to do everything they can to retain him. All, all these guys. And then even if there's a few that get out, every single team in the NFL, I don't care who's on your team, you want these guys. I mean, if, if there is a double-digit sack guy that somehow fell through the cracks and is available, which basically never happens... The team just let them go. They can't afford them. They, you know, maybe there was a, a, a spat. You know, you get an Antonio Brown situation, whatever. The competition is going to be so furious. You, you, you can't rely on that. Well, I, I'm thinking backwards again. I guess you can, and then in the draft you'll figure it out. But thinking backwards from where I'm at, I, I can't rely on that. I'm not expecting that we're going to satisfy this in free agency. So I don't, I don't want to necessarily rely on that. I'd rather take those needs early because we got to hit on him, right? If, if we don't hit on a wide receiver in the fourth round, if he's not quite ready or fifth round or sixth round or whatever, we really just have to stress, okay, we got to get one of these guys, Equinemius, Marquez, you know, Geronimo, Jamon, somebody, Kumaro, one of these guys has got to become a number two, a reliable number two. We have to get just one. And there's a reasonable expectation we can get that from somebody. So the question then is, what kind of a wide receiver are we looking for? Really, it, it doesn't matter because our the one guy that we have is a boundary receiver. So whether it's a slot guy or a boundary guy, it, it doesn't really matter to me. I know a lot of people are looking at Hollywood Brown. I think the one problem I have, although he's a versatile piece, you, you, you know, you want to talk about crazy wild offenses with guys in motion and jet sweeps and stuff, maybe that could be interesting. The biggest problem I have, though is that you look at a guy like that, and the, the comparison tends to be Deshaun Jackson. The problem I have is if any of these guys that we have develop, that's what we have. 
the fast burner on the outside. That's that's Marquez Valdez Scantling. So I, I tend to look at it and say a, a slot receiver would be really nice. You know, if, if we can get a solid slot receiver, then you have a situation similar to the Minnesota Vikings, not to that degree. I'm not talking about this guy's going to be Adam Thielen. But you got a really good boundary guy, a really good slot guy, and then, you know, a, a number three on the outside, Marquez, whatever. But then you also have the three different types of wide receivers. You got Devontae, who's the possession guy, great route runner. You got your slot receiver, and then you've got your your really fast, really dangerous, deep threat on the outside. And one thing I would maybe encourage you to do as we go along, and this is something that I, I have the audio done for my mock draft. I'm actually making progress. I just have to make the, the video. Um, but one of the things that I say that maybe would be kind of cool is pull up NFL Big Board, and then as I give you these names, just click highlights. Just search their name, check out their highlights as I talk about them, just to give you an idea of what these guys can and should do or what just it adds a cool little dynamic to what we're doing here give you the little visual presentation so one guy for example at wide receiver that makes sense currently and i who knows where these guys are end up he could be a second round pick by the time the draft comes around but currently uh on nfl big board what he is is a fifth round pick makes a ton of sense for something that we'd be looking for as a guy out of clemson hunter renfro speaking of adam thielen smaller late round white dude in the slot boom but he's got fantastic hands um he, you know works really well with the whole run pass option kind of thing you go watch the guy and go check out some of his highlights i think he could be and, and again that's sort of my general strategy is fill a need but primarily we're, we're relying on the jmons and the equinemiuses and the, the mvs's but if we can hit on somebody else especially a slot guy because we really don't have and i've mentioned i, I like eq out of the slot Obviously, Devontae is good, but he's good everywhere, and we want him outside. Marquez could do some stuff in the slot, whatever. But uh, Hunter Renfro has the opportunity to come in and be our slot receiver, work in a system that he's similar, similar, nope, familiar with out of Clemson, and just be a very reliable target. Um, you know, watching him play just reminds me a lot of Geronimo. And I, I know I'm not super high on Geronimo, but th- the biggest thing for him is throw a ball somewhere where only he can get it and he's going to grab it. Just incredible hands. So something to that degree where, again, my general strategy is, and I'm not to say we can't do free agency. If, if something's available for the right price, and yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I, I get it. We're not getting Antonio Brown. The guy's just seems like a massive headache. Now he's going after coaches and players and stuff. Everybody that says anything bad about him. Bruce Arians made a small comment and he also said, I really like him and he's a good guy and he's a hard worker. And then he just goes and blasts him and says he wears dumb hats and everything. It's like, man, you can't bring somebody on your team that's going to trash your coaches. That's just, that's over the line. That's called insubordination. You cannot have that. If there's a disagreement, he's going to go blast your coach on Twitter and all the other players. Nah. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen in Green Bay. They're not going to allow that. There's just no way. I don't want that. That is that is incredibly toxic. you got to have guys that are under control. But if something comes up, you know, Golden Tate, maybe. I don't know. Not that he's much better than what we have with Randall Cobb. But you saw how, how he could be a valuable asset with what he did with the Eagles. But I think as far as the draft, that's sort of my general strategy. And we'll see. We'll see what the, the Packers do again. It's one of those situations where if we do take a first-round pick or a second-round pick, you got to kind of wonder, you know, maybe this is a massive need that Gutekunst doesn't feel will get satisfied um, by the guys that we have currently. Right, The guys that we have are currently like number threes, number fours, backup guys, which is not great. Looking at running back, it's strictly a depth thing. Um, just 
the biggest issue is there's just no running backs, man. I mean, there's there's a bunch of them, but most of these guys are undrafted free agents. And maybe that's the play. To be completely honest, as I'm looking at this, so let me just give you the breakdown. Round one, zero. Round two, there's two running backs. Round three, there's seven. Now, that's a big pile in the third round, but I don't know if I want a third-round running back. I, that's just that's too early. Fourth round, three. Fifth round, three. Sixth round, one. Seventh round, there's two. And then, again, I've got... Jeez, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 guys that are beyond that. You know, the Packers used to do that quite a bit. They used to go out and get those undrafted free agent running backs like every single year. And considering some of the talent that you can find, and and we're just looking for a role player, we're just looking for a body to fill to be the number three or the number four if we keep Capri Bibbs or whatever, I don't mind that. That might actually be the best solution is to you know and we'll see what happens if there's somebody that's available in the sixth or seventh round it's a good value fine but um i actually think undrafted free agent for running back kind of just makes sense because we're we're pretty much set it's just a matter of what happens if there's an injury and i mean the one real danger i suppose is if the running game is super important and aaron jones does have a bit of an injury history so he doesn't play a full season and if something happens to jamal which seems I mean, it's not unreasonable. It happened like every year, basically, that they've been on the team. There's injuries, especially to our running backs. Then you you have a run game that is critical, and we're relying on an undrafted free agent. But still, again, there's only so many picks that we get. I don't want a third-round running back. I think that's a little bit too early. Undrafted free agent makes sense for what we need. And I think what I'll do is I'll, I'll finish off this sheet... Um, of how many players in each position are in each round and also add undrafted free agent. And I think that'll be the first thing. I'm going to put that on Patreon. So um, hopefully I'll have that done today. I also want to get the the overall big board put on there. I'm going to remove the names of the sites, but just give you an idea of how many big boards so that you can look at a specific player. You know, you want to see why is so-and-so ranked where they are? Well, you can see who, well, not necessarily who, but you can see the different disparities. And that's good too because... You know, sometimes you, you, you want to do a mock draft or whatever, and you look at it and you say, well, the reason they're so high is because there's like two sites that really, really like this guy, and then you've got like 19 that are not nearly as high. They all got him like third round or whatever. So anyways, uh, I'm going to be adding that. So tight end is a really, really big need. Definitely something I would consider um, in the draft. We definitely need youth. That's one of the big things for the team, which is why, you know, I'm, I, free agency we should just not even consider. We have three free agents, veteran free agents on this team right now. I I think enough is enough. So with tight end, uh, it's also a very thin class. Um, In the first round, just one. I've just got Noah Fand. Second round, we've got three, which is is kind of a big pool. I don't mind the thought of a second round tight end. Now, there's a lot of other needs. So anytime you look at this, um, every time you take a pick, you're not satisfying every other thing. So it's always going to be that negative thing. But you got to take somebody and with what we need, we do need a tight end. What kind of a tight end is up for debate, I suppose. You know, what style the Packers need and, and whatever. You know, maybe if we keep Mercedes, we're looking for more of a receiving guy. Whatever. But we need youth. We do need a tight end, even if, if for no other reason, because Mercedes and Kendricks and Graham are not going to be on this team for very much longer, possibly not even this year. And um, because I don't want another 31-year-old injury prone over the hill tight end not saying the guys we have are injury prone but I just thought of a pile that are very injury prone is the only reason they're going to be free agents I don't mind that 
And by the way, I, I forgot to, I, well, I didn't mention because I'm not going to bother mentioning undrafted free agent running backs because who cares. But the current second round pick, and, and by the way, the Noah Fant in the first round, I've seen a lot of people have him at pick 30 or uh, 32 for the Packers. I have not, and everybody hates when I do a mock draft because I have the Packers or somebody taking them mid-first, and it's like, he's not that good. Well, he's been consistently middle-first all year. He has not moved an inch. He's currently sitting at pick 15. I mean, he's just, he's basically a wide receiver, but is really, really big. I mean, the, the speed that this guy has, I mean, athletically, Noah Fant is just an absolute freak. Do I necessarily want to take him? I mean, I'm not going to be upset about it, but, you know, I don't know. If he falls to 32, fine, but I don't know. But uh, also in Iowa, so the top two tight ends are both out of Iowa, which is interesting. Uh, TJ Hawkinson is the next one, then Irv Smith out of Alabama, and Caden Smith, Stanford. It's, uh, it's not a bad play, and it's one of those situations where if you have one of these guys available to you with our pick, it's hard not to take him because, again, third round, there's only two. Fourth round, there's only two. Fifth round, there's only two. Sixth round, there's only four. Seventh round, there's only two. And then you got seven undrafted free agents. It kind of makes you nervous because if you go through free agency and you don't get one and you're looking at your team now and it's like, well, we're, you know, let's just pretend we plan on getting rid of Graham. We're not paying him. We're going to get rid of him. We're going to free up some extra cap space. Maybe he's already gone because we wanted to use that money in free agency, whatever. And we're going to retain Mercedes because we feel like he can be useful with uh, the, the current staff that we have, especially our offensive coordinator who's worked with him. But we're also going to get rid of Kendricks. Well, now we've only got two guys. We've got one guy that I don't know if he has any talent left veteran Mercedes Lewis, and then we've also got our young guy, Mr. Robert Tanyan, who shows a lot of promise, but that, I mean, that's that's a scary, scary thin situation, so it's one of those things in the second round, if if, if it's a good value, if, if TJ Hawkinson falls to you in the second round, you, you kind of feel the pressure to pull the trigger. It's a need, it's it's a want, <laughs> and the, the scarcity just, just drives up the value, so I, I wouldn't be super shocked, again, if they're available. If the Packers, for once, went out and and decided to invest in that, but but we'll see. Again, I don't, I don't know how super important it is, but you know, look at look at a lot of the successful teams. A lot of these guys have pretty good tight ends. Now, granted, a lot of these guys know how to use tight ends, and like I talked about with the Rams, you've got some sort of mid round, mid talent type guys that really shine because they're in a system that can highlight them. So maybe again, you know, we talk about talent from within. If Mercedes Lewis can get back to what he was in Jacksonville, and if, if Robert Tanyan can really take a big step because of the Lafleur uh, system, that would be kind of cool. But I mean, you get a second-round guy like Hawkinson, Smith, or Smith, and it kind of takes it to a new level. But you know, obviously, again, you got Gronk in New England, you've got uh, Travis Kelsey in Kansas City. I mean, even the Eagles, right? They already have a really, really, really good tight end, and they went and drafted another one last year. Now they've got this dueling tight end. So teams like that, you know, the Doug Peterson who comes from the Andy Reid tree, they realize the importance of it and are not afraid to even get a second talented receiving tight end because of how impossible it is to match up. If it's impossible to match up with one, imagine trying to figure out how to stop two. We're still trying to get our first, so we need to we need to find one, please, and thank you very much. Um... I'm not really going to look at center. Uh, obviously, we could maybe look at some kind of depth, but I, I think the better play would be to maybe get a guard who can also play center. I don't know, but I'm, I'm not really going to look at that. But let's take a look at guard because that is a really, really big need of ours. And again, you know, again, maybe not a super big need because 
you know, look at some other teams. They've got some terrible offensive lines, and comparatively, Justin McCray and Lane Taylor, as much as I don't like them and they absolutely have to be upgraded, we're talking about mid, mid-grade guys. I actually think they started to improve toward the end of the year because if I, as I look at their grade, it's like, dude, that's not, that's not bad. Maybe they're starting to turn a corner. I don't know. Justin McCray actually graded out higher than Lane Taylor. I mean, they have almost the exact same grade, but I'm talking like fractionally higher, 64.3, 64.6, but still very impressive. Either way, I, I definitely need and want to look at this. If for no other reason, let's at least get depth. I don't know. And, and hey, if Justin McCray is this good and can be a backup, perfect. That, that's something that I can rely on. If the rookie or if Lane Taylor goes down, hey, we got Justin McCray. I know I, I trash a lot of these guys, but believe me, I want to like them. I want to like and love every single guy that wears the green and gold. Sometimes they just make it hard. That's all I'm saying. So this is another relatively thin situation. So round one, I don't have any guards currently that are in the first round. Um, second round, however, it's pretty similar to tight end. It's pretty thin throughout, but second round, there's three of them. Cody Ford out of Oklahoma. Chris Lindstrom out of Boston College, and Michael Dieter out of Wisconsin. After that, in the third round, I just have one, Ross Pierschbacher out of Alabama. Round four, I've got two. Round five, I have three. Six, I have three. Seven, I have three. So in this situation, considering, you know, guard is one of those things that you can find and develop in later rounds as much as it's kind of a risk because we've already got late round guys that don't really pan out. But, um, you know, you start looking at fourth, fifth round. I know there's not very many. You know, between the third and the fourth round, there's only three I have listed. But, you know, that, that's kind of when I'm starting to look at maybe looking at guard. I don't know that I, w- I, I would rather take a tight end than a guard, even though I think guard is a bigger need. Just because, again, you know, it, it's one of those things. First of all, early round guards have not been panning out. I mean, if you look at the, the discrepancy, it's similar to running back between the talent in the first round compared to the talent in the fourth round. I would be willing to bet, even though obviously first and second round guys are going to pan out to a higher degree, I'd be willing to bet it's a lot closer. It's not like quarterback where if you compare first round quarterbacks compared to you know fourth round quarterbacks obviously there's going to be a massive discrepancy as far as success but I think I'm going to hold off um, start looking in the later rounds fifth is a little bit late later than I'd like but you know whatever that's probably going to be where I start to look at it so my fifth round guys right now Michael Jordan out of Ohio State obviously a name that I like and then Ben Powers out of Oklahoma and Garrett Brumfeld LSU from field the one kind of negative for this is there's not a lot of film, um, almost no highlight. Ben Powers does have a highlight reel though, which is hilarious because you got, he's, <laughs> you don't, Cody, my second round guys don't have any highlights, but somebody went out of their way to make a Ben Powers highlight uh, video. But anyways, um, you know, after that, Drew Samia, Nate Herbig, and uh, Hijalt Froholt, Arkansas. I mean, I'm not against getting a Viking on this team, why not? But that's sort of my range, those six guys right there, maybe looking at grabbing one of those guys. Um, That's just, again, this is sort of my general strategy. And this is an area where I'm absolutely not afraid to look into free agency. Guards are not the most expensive comparatively, right? Like highest paid guards, what are we talking, like 10 million bucks? Not highest paid because the highest paid aren't going anywhere, but like the highest paid free agent guy, 8, 9, 10 million. I mean, it's nothing really to scoff at, but... It would be a massive upgrade for, call it eight million bucks. So free agency, looking at guard, I'm I'm definitely not opposed to that. Depending who's there, how much, all that kind of stuff. Tackle is incredibly difficult to figure out because we need somebody, or I would like to get somebody. The problem is I don't trust late round tackles very much. I mean I I know Bakhtiari is a fourth round guy that was an absolute 
flukish, freakish situation. Maybe lightning can strike twice there, or, you know, technically three times, I guess, because we did the exact same thing with, uh, with Josh Sitton. But that's tough, man. That might be something you look at in free agency. Not, not a super high-priced person, but just, just somebody that you can trust that's going to keep Aaron Rodgers upright. Jason Spriggs, as I've said, does seem to be getting better, which is awesome. But still, I mean, we need at least another body. And, um, you know, I, I, I just don't, I, I don't like, I don't want to go early round on a tackle, but I don't want to go late round on a tackle, but I do want to get a tackle. So <laughs> I'm kind of stuck here. With that said, however, don't be super surprised if the Packers do take a tackle on the first two rounds just because this is an issue. We do need a tackle. You kind of need him to be an early-round guy, and especially with Balaga gone, or soon to be gone, you're looking for a long-term solution, not just a one-year patch. So if a tackle falls to you with maybe the second first-round pick, possibly even the first first round pick as much as nobody's going to like that I wouldn't be super shocked so in the first round I actually have three guys that are uh, first round tackles Jonah Williams who there's actually a lot of speculation about him there's a lot of news coming out about and this this is always every single tackle I mean literally 60% of all tackles you're going to be hearing the rumors well they they should be guards they're not good enough to be tackles that's just every year same old nonsense however um, Tony Pauline was talking about it. He's basically looking at it going, I just don't get it. I don't see it. He polled, you know, a half a dozen or a dozen guys. I think it was like 12 to 15 guys and asked him, right? Because, you know, he kind of understands, right? I'm, I'm not really, this is what I do professionally, but I'm just curious, like the guys that are in the know, actual scouts for actual teams. And he reached out to about 12 to 15. He's like, am I missing something or is he not super great? And pretty much every single one of them said, no, he's a second round guy. Right now I have him ranked fourth. So something's got to give at some point. But Jonah Williams, Greg Little, and Dalton Risner are my first-round guys. In the second round, there's also three. So, you know, I don't mind second round either, but you're looking at first to second round. There's six offensive tackles. Again, there's only so many picks that you, we've only got one in the second round unless we trade back somewhere and acquire another second somewhere. But, um, you know, between the first and the second round, if we don't do anything in free agency, maybe we just completely wing it and say we're good this year, and then next year we got to go all in on a tackle. But that's a really risky play. Otherwise, we're, we're really looking at a situation, possibly even this year if Balaga's hurt, we're looking at a situation where Jason Spriggs is our guy. And then if something happens to, to Bakhtiari, which I maybe shouldn't even utter those words, literally what are we going to do? Jason Spriggs at left tackle and, and Gearhard DeBeer at right tackle? What, what, what are we going to do? Justin McCray, are we going to put him back at tackle? I just, I, I don't like this situation. I don't like what we've done at, at offensive line. We've neglected it. We've allowed guys to walk. We've thinned it out. We, we got to rebuild it. We have to start rebuilding it. We've taken nothing but late round swings on guys. Guys that are, aren't even on the team anymore. I mean, Cole Madison probably isn't going to play. There's just so many like fifth and sixth round guys, you know, tackles. It's like, these, these guys aren't going to work out and you know it. Why even bother? Why? Seriously, why bother doing that? He's, they're not going to play. When you get to the fifth round, stop it with the tackles. You have to satisfy that first through fourth, in my opinion. The success rate of a fifth, sixth, and seventh round tackle is basically zero. And there are other positions. Running backs. Try a running back. Right? Specialists. Punter, kicker, long snapper. Those guys are awesome. You can get guard. You can maybe find a tight end, wide receiver. You know, you could get lucky at some of these positions. You're not getting lucky at tackle in the sixth round. Stop it. You just don't get it. So anyways, with that said, I'm just going to look at the first four rounds. So round one, three. Round two, three. Round three, two. Round four, three. 
That I don't know why that felt weird to say. But in the first four rounds, 3-3-2-3, three, 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 so 11 guys. And again, something's got to give here. We can't just keep neglecting offensive line. we got to start building this thing up, especially with the offense that we have now and with Lafleur. I'm sure he's going to be stressing that to the GM as they communicate. Like, look, the way we play, we need to be able to run the ball. We need guys that can do this, that, or the other, right? We need the you know, athletic guards that can really you know, run laterally and run our, our, our outside zone scheme, whatever. We, we've got to do better. So guards and tackles and whatnot, it's going to be kind of important. So finally switching over to defense now. Again, similar situation to wide receiver. Jair, pretty solid. Hopefully he continues to improve. He ends up becoming, my hope, top 20, top 15 corner by next year. That's, it's a, that's a pretty tall order because there's a lot of good corners, but top 20 would be kind of nice. Um, and then from there, we need at least a second guy. Whether that's Josh Jackson, Kevin King, Bashad Breeland, Tony Brown, I don't care who. Somebody's got to step up and be a solid number two because we just really don't have that right now. Primarily, I have my eye on Josh Jackson because I really like him, but Kevin King has a ton of tools as well. But we need somebody that we can count on. With that said, however, I don't mind taking a swing at corner. I just, again, don't know if I want to do that in the first round, so let's just take a look at kind of what our options are. So this I actually like. There's there's actually quite a few corners. Um, there are some early rounds. You know, four in the first round is pretty awesome. That That kind of leaves that option open. Three in the second round, three in the third round. Then you look at the fourth round, I have six. That's kind of my money spot right there. After that, fifth round, four, sixth round, four, seventh round, four. So we've got 10 in the fourth and fifth round. Then we've got 12 undrafted free agents. So if we want to maybe take a flyer in the fourth round on one of these six guys and then maybe get an undrafted free agent or two and just see if we can develop them, I feel like that would be a pretty solid strategy. On top of developing the guys we have, you know, maybe we get lucky with either one of the undrafted free agents or the fourth round guy to be our number three. If, you know, Kevin King doesn't work out or whatever, we're, we're just taking a flyer on one of these guys really being able to step up and perform. So again, my money round, the fourth round, I've got uh, Kendall Sheffield, cornerback out of Ohio State, Rocky Sin, cornerback out of Temple, Miles Bryant, cornerback out of Washington, obviously Washington, well-known uh, football school or a cornerback school. Mark Gilbert, cornerback out of Duke. Levante Taylor, cornerback out of Florida State. And uh, Derek Beatty, cornerback out of Kentucky. So one of those guys in that round. And then you got another four after that. Justin Lane, Michigan State. Jawan Williams, Vanderbilt. Shaheem Carter, Alabama. And David Long, Michigan. So there's, again, ten guys in that stretch. I'm looking at corner kind of in that fourth to fifth round. I think that kind of makes a lot of sense for what I would like to do. Do I want a free agent? No, because I, I don't want to invest a lot of money. One of the benefits is we have a lot of young talent that we don't have to pay. Why put money into this? A late uh, round cornerback in the draft? Sure. But I, I don't want to pump money into corner. We've, we've already invested draft capital. I don't want to invest um, salary cap into it as well. That's We're just putting too much into that position. Uh, looking at safety, very, very important position. Um, we absolutely have to get this. And again, I don't see anybody that I really, really like. I have this split up into free safety and strong safety, so I'm going to do these two separately. And I have to do it quickly because I'm running out of time. But you'll see in a minute why I stress free agency with safeties because it's a very, very thin group. So free safety, you ready for this? One in the first round, one in the second round, two in the third round, two in the fourth round, one in the fifth, one in the sixth, one in the seventh. I have nine total free agents or excuse me, free safeties 
through seven rounds. Nine in seven rounds. There's seven running backs just in the third round. Five wide receivers in the first round. So, you know, if, if we're looking at safety, and this is a situation where, and, you know, Deontay Thompson in the first round likely is going back to Alabama. I haven't heard anything official on that yet, but if he does come out and does fall to the Packers in the first round, it's kind of one of those dire situations. Now, again, free agency's first, and that's kind of where I'd rather go. I really want to get a free agent. Um, yeah, a free agent, free safety. I think the, the value is low. They're relatively cheap based on the talent. Get somebody that's even, okay, fine. You don't want to get the top guy. You don't want to get Earl Thomas. Fine. Injury history, whatever. Don't want to pay him. We just need starters. We need quality starters. Get me two of them. You know, instead of Earl Thomas, just get me two really good starting safeties and we'll call it good. And I, you know, again, we'll, we'll look at, I think tomorrow we'll look at the free safety situation with the knowledge that we have from today, right? We, we're, we're good here. We're good here. We got everything fixed, but we got some serious issues here. Let's look at some free agent options. That'll be Tamara. But I think that's a really big need that, that we can't count on in the draft. So as I'm going through free agency, I'm looking at it going, we're probably not getting one in the draft, at least not an early, we, you know, we can grab one and we can, we can maybe reach on somebody in the fourth round or something, which is fine. There's, there's quality talent in the fourth round. I mean, I think, uh, I think Jackson for the Bears was a fourth-round pick. There's, there's there's some solid third- and fourth-round safeties in the NFL. I actually think two of the top rookie safeties who are very, very good are both like third- and fourth-round guys. I don't know. Whatever. Point is, though, when I'm in free agency, I'm looking at the draft going, eh, I don't, I don't like it. So we kind of need to, to find something. So anyways, strong safety, which I do think is still a need. I know we've got one, but he's not great, and we also could use some depth. Believe it or not, it's actually worse. We have zero in the first round, two in the second, two in the third, zero in the fourth, zero in the fifth, three in the sixth, five in the seventh. So sixth and seventh, there's plenty. There's eight in those two rounds. In the first five rounds, I have four. Four! That's ridiculous. So again, if we're looking at the strong safety spot or whatever... You really got to start to, and it's, it's, it's another reason I don't really understand why the Packers especially, and, you know, I mentioned maybe the reason the, the value of safeties has gone down so much is because everybody seems to have them. When I went through all the teams, it's like the really good teams have safeties, the really bad teams have safeties. That was the one common thing I said all year long. Like every team we went up against, oh, they got a really good safety. Oh, they got a really good, everybody has a really good safety, but the Packers don't. Why aren't we going out like you guys, nobody wants, no, 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 we already got safeties, man, he's all yours, pay him whatever you want, I don't care. Why aren't we just like, yeah, come here, man, I'll give you money and I'll give you, heck, let's, here, the four of you, can I get like a package deal? Just come play, just come out, we'll, we'll find a way for you, you can play corner, we don't have really good corners, you can play corner, we'll, we'll mix you guys in. We'll play seven DBs, you'll all get playing time, it'll be great. Can we do like six million a piece? How about five and a half? You good with that? Come on, package deal, package deal. Give me a deal here. We got to do something. Packers are acting like we got a bunch of great safeties. We don't. But anyways, uh, moving on to linebacker. I'm kind of comfortable with it because I like Blake Martinez. I like Jake Ryan. Neither of these guys are, you know, top tier, but they're serviceable. And considering the lack of value of the linebacker spot to begin with, having two guys that can play at a relatively high level, 
right? They, they can play against the run. Blake Martinez, again, phenomenal in coverage this year. I'm fine with it, and we can continue to develop Oren Burke. So, okay, let's let's look at it. And by the way, there are, like, infinite linebackers in this group. It's just ridiculous. So here's the breakdown. We have two in the first round, two in the second, or excuse me, zero in the second round. So not very top-heavy, but check this out. Six in the third round, four in the fourth round, seven in the fifth round, four in the fifth, in the sixth round, five in the seventh round, and I have 13 graded as undrafted free agents. Lots to pick from. But what's kind of standing out to me here, seven in the fifth round, We've got 11 between the 5th and 6th round, and then also, again, 13 undrafted free agents. That's a big pile. So I don't mind 5th round, 6th round, maybe even 7th and undrafted. Again, I'm, I'm not, we, we've, we've got enough. Now, if we don't keep Jake Ryan, we've got a little bit of a void because there's such a massive talent drop-off. The difference between Jake Ryan and Oren Burks, depending on what happens with Oren Burks, is pretty massive, which is why I kind of like that pile of 7 in the 5th round. Fifth round isn't undrafted where you just have zero expectations, but it's also not super early where it's like, why, why are we putting so much emphasis on linebacker? Who cares? It's also another position that could be decent in free agency because, again, it's very cheap. You can get somebody that can just play a role similar to Morrison, but hopefully somebody a little better than Morrison. But I, I think this is a position that will sort of take care of itself. Whether or not we even address it, I don't know, but if, if we want to upgrade a little bit or, or provide some depth on our team that should not be a problem uh, for the Packers to be able to do interior defensive line um, as far as depth I don't know that there's a deeper team than the Packers again as far as as players that are at least good Kenny Clark Tyler Lancaster Dean Lowry Mike Daniels Muhammad Wilkerson maybe we don't keep Muhammad Wilkerson fine but then you got Montrevious Adams and James Looney who are both very close to being good. James Looney above average. Montrevious, I can just go ahead and call him good. And when you consider the fact that he was horrible in the, in the first half of the year, that means in the second half of the year, he was actually quite good, which to me denotes development. And considering how good our defensive line coach is at developing talent, there's reason to believe Montrevious Adams is turning a corner and could be a really solid contributor. So if we're going to add to our defensive tackle class, the question is, what are we going to do? Now, you could say, well, maybe we'll just take a swing on a late round guy. Yes. Here's my only issue with that. We don't need more depth. If we're going to do anything with defensive tackle, I feel like it should be try to really upgrade. I don't want another mediocre player. We're, we're overbooked. You know, we, we've already got James Looney. We got Montrevious. We've got Dean Lowry. We've got Tyler Lancaster. All of these guys are decent. So again, maybe we look at a guy like Muhammad Wilkerson and, and give him another contract. You, you look at early round guys in the draft. You look at high ranking free agents. Uh, the draft also is appealing. First of all, massive amount of defensive tackles, especially early in the draft. But so, so that's sort of my, it's kind of a counterintuitive thing. It's a strength, but why would we do it? Because if we're going to even touch defensive tackle, I want another Kenny Clark. I want another dominant interior guy, especially if he's somewhat of a pass rusher. So let's, let's break down the position and see what we've got. So the interesting thing here is defensive tackle is very top-heavy and also very strong at the end of the draft. In the middle, it's very hollowed out. So in the first round, there are eight defensive tackles. I'm not talking defensive line. I'm not adding edge rushers. I'm just talking defensive tackle. One quarter 
of every first-round guy is a defensive tackle. Do you understand what I'm getting at now? (laughs) Are you getting how ridiculously deep and why there's going to be a massive backlog? But I think that's to our benefit. Because, again, if we're going to do it, let's do it early. And let's get a guy that's going to fit that's just going to be absolutely dominant, if we do it at all. So who are the guys in the first round? Well, obviously, there's Ed Oliver and Quinnen Williams. Those are the top two guys. I don't think we're going to get either, especially not Quinnen. Ed Oliver seems to be not necessarily on my board, but the general consensus is there's some concerns. They're worried about his size, the production. I mean, he's basically a five-sack guy in college, and he plays for Houston. It's not like he's Alabama. So there's, there's question marks. Uh, beyond that, Jeffrey Simmons. Absolutely love Jeffrey Simmons. If we got him with our first pick, I wouldn't even be upset about it. Big, long, strong, very scary, disruptive behind the line. Uh, Rashawn Gary, I don't think, is a very good fit for what we do. Christian Wilkins, a uh, very talented guy out of Clemson. Not my favorite, but he's you know very, very talented. Jerry Tillery is a guy I like a lot. Dexter Lawrence, another Clemson guy. And then Draymond Jones out of Ohio State is another uh, pass rusher type defensive tackle. So those are the guys. And I think once we get past that again, it really, really thins out. The talent completely, you know, just dissipates. And it doesn't pick up again until, let's see, what was it? When does it start to? So we have nine in the sixth round. So I don't know if I went through it. Eight, two, one, four, two, and then nine in the sixth, four in the seventh, and 11 undrafted free agents. So eight in the first, nine in the next four rounds combined, and then nine in the sixth round, four in the seventh and 11 and the undrafted free agents. So that's sort of my thought process. If we don't touch it, fine. But if we get somebody, let's just make it a dominant player. Otherwise, I mean, what are we doing? We, I mean, do we need another James Looney? I, I don't want another James. We have James Looney, and he turned out pretty good. How many James Looney's do we need on this team? Anyways, last but not certainly not least, edge rusher, because this is, this is probably one of the big ones. Uh, we assume Clay Matthews is gone. I really hope that... If we do keep Nick Perry, that he bounces back. I don't know exactly what went wrong. Something obviously went wrong, and I think with Ed Rusher in particular, that group completely fell off from last year. Again, I don't think it's necessarily um, impossible that um, the one guy that left the Green Bay Packers with Mike McCarthy right out of the gate is the guy that happened to be the guy that taught our edge rushers, was the edge rusher coach, assistant head coach, et cetera, et cetera. The guy was not great for the team. He seemed to have some kind of a toxic attitude. Obviously, there's doesn't seem to be a whole lot going on. Well, I'll be nice, but it just it was a very weird situation. So anyways, whoever we bring in to coach our outside linebackers, I really hope is going to be able to bring up the talent level because Nick Perry still has some talent, man, and if we could just get him back to how he was like a year or two ago, we've got a starter. But anyways, regardless... We have to assume that there's just there's nothing left. And despite Kyler Fackrell getting double-digit sacks, I don't know that that's something that gets replicated. Um, you know, you look at Pro Football Focus, his strength, his his biggest strength was actually coverage. Terrible against the run, not really terrible, below average. But uh, as a pass rusher, he was graded as above average. And again, how do you get double-digit sacks and be above average? Well, because if you look at 11 sacks or whatever it was, how many times did he rush the passer? What happened on the other? 250 times he rushed the passer and didn't get a sack. So I think he's flashy. He, he's got certain upside that really can show up at times, but I think he disappears. So looking at the breakdown here, we've got seven in the first round. So to recap, we have eight defensive tackles and seven edge rushers in the first round. That's f- almost, that's we're one player away from being 50% of the draft. 
if if Gerald Willis out of Miami can slide from 38 up to 32 or inside the first, we literally have 50% of the first round that are defensive tackles or edge rushers. Basically, we're talking defensive front. 50%! Meaning only half of the first round is made up of what? Centers, guards, tackles, wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks, running backs, uh, linebackers, corners, safeties. It's kind of crazy. But uh, anyways, seven in the first round, five in the second round, two in the third, three in the fourth, six in the, f- in the fifth, four in the sixth, zero in the seventh, and eight undrafted free agents. So 12 in the first two rounds is kind of going to be our money round. And I, I kind of feel like with three picks in the first two rounds, possibly more if we end up moving our picks, whatever, I don't think it's impossible we walk away with two in our first three picks. Based on what we've talked about before, maybe two edge rushers and a tackle, two edge rushers and a tight end. Something to that degree kind of helps to satisfy what we're looking at. Because again, early round, tight end would be nice, tackle would be nice. Uh, Some of the others, you know, maybe if we go defensive tackle, then we're going to have to go two edge. Maybe we'll just end up with one edge rusher, I don't know. But I'm just saying it's not impossible that we end up getting two in the first two rounds. Just because it's, you know, it's similar to tackle and quarterback. It's a position that if you're talented at edge rusher, if you have proven that you can play the position and get quarterbacks, we're not, nobody's going to let you slide into the fourth round. So finding mid to late round talent at edge rusher, especially, you know, year one, it's just, it's very, very rare. So if we need starters, like we need two of them right out of the gate, it's, it's going to be tough to not try to satisfy that in the first round, possibly even taking our, using our second round pick to get one of these guys. Anyways, very quickly, we'll go through the list, and then we'll be done here. Obviously, Nick Bosa is the top guy. We're not going to get him. Cleland Furl, I currently have at six, meaning he's somewhat out of reach, but I definitely could see him being our first pick. Josh Allen is a guy everybody loves. He's absolutely just flying up the draft board, meaning he's, he's, there's a good chance he will not be available. Um, Ja'Kai Polite, suddenly, is there's a massive amount of love. It's one of those you know, Twitter snowballs. Somebody puts out film on Ja'Kai Polite, you get to see. I mean, literally, here's the problem, though, man. Click any one of these guys. Jalen Ferguson, LA Tech, go watch his highlights. You're going to love him because it's highlights. If somebody goes on Twitter and shows a GIF or a, a, a short video of a guy getting two sacks, it's like, oh, look how good he is. Dude, everybody can... I don't know. I'm sorry. I like Ja'Kai. I've, I've liked him for a while, but Relax. Go watch Brian Burns' highlights. He's, his highlights are better than Ja'Kai Polite. I'm not saying he's a better player. I'm just saying he's got better highlights. The guy, his, he's, he's got some sweet highlights, man. Some people, there's a discrepancy between highlights and, and film. The highlights, you know, that's what we're talking about with, uh, with Kyler Fackrell. I bet he's got some awesome highlights. That doesn't mean he's a great player. Whatever. Just saying. Ja'Kai Polite out of Florida. Brian Burns, very undersized, but just a quarterback hunter. Montez Sweat, I mentioned yesterday, I'm starting to turn a corner. I've, I've really disliked him for a while, um, but I started watching his film, and he, he does seem a little more impressive than what I had given him pre- credit for. He's not my favorite, but whatever. Zach Allen, sort of a bigger, stockier guy. Uh, those are the first-round guys, and then you get into the second round. Chase Winovich, edge rusher out of Michigan. He's got the whole Clay Matthews look, the long, flowing hair, blonde nonsense, whatever. Um, O'Shane Jimenez, or Jimenez, I don't remember how you say his name, but out of Old Dominion. Jalen Ferguson, Louisiana Tech. Anthony Nelson out of Iowa, and Anthony Jennings out of Alabama. Those are the top guys. And again, just just go check it out. If you don't have much time, just start going through some of the highlights. You get a sort of general idea of what their top end looks like. 
then when you want to dig a little deeper, just sit down and watch some of their film. Um, just see what you can glean from that. Anyways, that's that's kind of the situation. Just uh, hopefully that'll help. I know as we start to look to the draft, a lot of times we talk about, we got to get this, we got to get this, we got to get this. Well, you got to understand sort of how the, the lay of the land works. And again, that it's one of the frustrating things. Don't don't ever criticize a mock draft until you do a mock draft. That would be my one recommendation. Because you know what's going to happen when you do a mock draft? It's going to stink to high heaven. It's going to be horrible. And you're going to hate it, and I'm going to hate it, and everybody's going to hate it. You know why? Because there's not enough picks to get the guys you want. Now, some people do mock drafts, and they look amazing because they're drafting, like, second-round guys in the fifth round. Like, come on, man. They're also just ridiculously reaching all over the place to fill every single need. And we just assume, even though it's seventh round, it's still I still filled the need, so I still win. Ha ha. If you're going to do one, go to NFLBigBoard.com. Look at where we're picking. Usually what I do is I'll do, like, a maximum of three picks before and maybe five picks after. So if we have pick 32, I'll look at the three guys before. So Devin Bush at linebacker. No thanks. Um, Omani are. Amani Aruarie, cornerback out of Penn State, Dalton Risner, offensive tackle out of Kansas. Then 32 is, is uh, Hollywood Brown. And then I'll go five after. Yadni Kajust, or Kajust, I guess, offensive tackle. David Edwards, offensive tackle. Damian Harris, running back. J.J. Arcega, wide side, wide receiver. Debo Samuel, wide receiver. That's my group. Y- you understand the problem, right? Like, oh, we got to get an edge rusher. Sorry, not on the list. What's next? Well, I want an edge rusher anyway. No, man. The next edge rusher, let's see, defensive tackle, cornerback, free safety, running back, quarterback, quarterback, cornerback, quarterback, tight end, tight end, wide receiver, offensive guard. There's an edge rusher. Number 50. You going to reach to number 50? Or are you just going to take Zach Allen because even though he would be gone by now, you're just going to pretend he's there? Why don't you just take Josh Allen? I'm just saying. If you're going to do it, do it the right way and understand the actual problems that G. I mean, that's the thing. You know what does a GM go through? This is these is this is my group. This is my tier. Who am I taking, or am I trading out of this spot? So in that spot, we've got three offensive tackles. Not the worst option. And again, it's why I said don't be super surprised. Dalton Risner, Yadni Kajust, David Edward. Anyways, that's just my thoughts on that. If you're gonna do a mock draft, that's how I do it. Try it out. It's a fun little exercise. Anyways, you folks have a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye bye.